Good afternoon, welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Thursday brings us Supermac and Gibbo. Good afternoon, gents. Hi, Steve. Hi, John. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Great. Good to see you both. And uh, the anniversary today, Malcolm, of another great number nine of our clubs. Uh, Tom Dixon pointed it out in the chat, so I thought we'd start with this. Uh, Jackie Milburn would have been 99 today. What, a, really? what a player and what a gentleman, Malcolm. Oh, I, I saw him play uh, now. I was uh, six at the time. And um, and Newcastle, uh, they, Fulham had travelled up to, um, to Newcastle and played at St. James Park in the FA Cup, third round. And, um, this, yeah, this would, would have been 1956, January 1956. And... Um, and would you believe that uh, uh, ha- the draw having taken place that it, in the um, uh, at the school the headmistress stood up in front of the the whole um, school in assembly on the Monday and she said and uh, and our local club Fulham got a very creditable draw um, up, up at Newcastle United um, and uh, uh, get your atlases out and and see where Newcastle is sort of thing. Um, and uh, and she said, and uh, and so the replay is taking place on Wednesday afternoon. No floodlights in those days, of course. And she she continued to say, uh, and if anybody seriously wants to go to see the game, they can take the afternoon off. Come here in the morning, do your lessons, have lunch, and then you can go. So, you know, can you imagine that happening these days? Dear me. So, um, so I thought, right, that will do for me. And uh, I, I went and saw one of the most fascinating games that uh, I've ever witnessed. Newcastle were four up at half time, and uh, Fulham came out in the second half, and they they gradually um, started to knock goals in, and uh, and they got back to four each. And with about three or four minutes left of the game, uh, Fulham had a corner. It came in. Somebody headed it out to a fellow called Jackie Milburn on the right wing. And he just flew from literally one corner flag to the other. And, and he cracked across a, um, over. Um, and, and, and it was headed in by Vic Keeble. And that was it. That was the final score, five four. Fabulous game, um, and uh, and and I didn't really see Jackie um, at all from that from that day to night uh, to, to um, nine, um, uh, 1971 when I signed for Newcastle, and and I was doing the press conference afterwards and chatting with everybody, um, and. Uh, uh, and the, all the journalists sort of parted like the Red Sea and through them walked Jackie Milburn. And, of course, he was writing for the News of the World at the time. And and he came and he shook me warmly by the hand and he said, uh, he said, Malcolm, he said, the people up here, they're going to love you if you play the way for New, for Newcastle that you do for Luton. Um, and, uh, and you just keep banging those goals in. Um, uh, and uh, he said, um, oh, by the way, my name's Jackie Milburn. I said, oh, I know who you are. Um, he said, oh, right. He said, well, um, uh, important that you um, get yourself all settled in um, up here in the northeast. Um so that uh, uh, so get a bit of house hunting done. I said I was planning to come up next Friday. He said, "Good, meet me here outside the ground," and um, and he said, "I'll show you around." And he gave me this guided tour of the whole of Tyneside, and we chatted in in his car um, uh, all the way, 
And, and I found him um, absolutely fascinating, you know, and he just had lovely, gentle bits of advice in all sorts of ways. Um, and he was just one of the one of the nicest, most lovely people that I've ever met in my life. Um, and I was so sad when uh, when he passed away. So sad. Yeah, fab fabulous, fabulous guy. I mean, everybody always said to me, and they've probably said to all of us at the early stage of our life, when you're young, you should never meet your heroes because they, when you're a schoolboy, you see everybody through mm. rose-tinted glasses, and when you get to know them in reality, they can't be as good as your memories of them. Yeah, very true. You know, you'll be disappointed. And, of course, my hero, when I was a little lad on the terraces, I was, I got to know purely from the terraces, the Newcastle famous side of the early 50s, Cup three times in five years, and my hero was Jackie. I met him then because he was a journalist, as Malcolm had just said, and he was in the press box with me. And when I was covering Newcastle every game, and he become a firm, firm friend. We wrote about three books together, or I ghosted books him, and then I wrote a book about him in the end. And the interesting thing is, one of the books that I ended up doing with Jackie, <clears throat> at the end of that book, after it had just come out, I got a phone call at home, and it was from This Is Your Life Studios in London. And they'd said... We've just seen Jackie's book, which you've just done with him. I said it's brought him right back into the limelight. He was a superhero, etc., etc. Would like to do this as your life, and would like to use you as your, as the go-between. What do you think? Will it happen? And I said, well, it's difficult because Jackie is a very private and shy person, really, as you would mm -hmm. know. You know, he was he was very he was always staggered that he was famous, sort of thing, and that he remained famous after he played. Yes, he was. He did. Yeah, he did. he did. And I approached Laura, his wife, and said, How about it? And I had to approach because if he found out at any stage that he was on gonna be on This Is Your Life, the program's off. They won't do a program where the the guy knows. It's happening. He's got to be totally surprised. So I had a phone lower when I knew Jackie wasn't in. So I phoned her at 10 to 3 on a Saturday, knowing that Jackie was sitting at the other end of the press box. Like, so I knew where he was. And I got her on her own and I put it to her. And he, she said, well, the only trouble is, she said, we'll never get Jackie to go to London. He doesn't like the smoke and uh, mm -hmm. oh, he's a home bird. He'll never go to London, you know, to be in the studios and et cetera, et cetera. So I told the people down there that and they said, well, we'll come up Newcastle. We'll bring the show up for him. And they'd never done that on This Is Your Life before. They'd never recorded the show outside of London. And they came up to uh, Newcastle into the Time Tees television studios and they'd pretended I've got the spoof ticket for the show upstairs in the house here. They, they they pretended it was a show about the book that Jackie and I had done. So I had to look after them all day and then take them down to Time Tees Television for recording the the, studio, the, the program. And um, I had to look after them all day because they were having rehearsals. They do rehearsal of the whole show, bar the guys not there. But all, all the guys would come on and do a rehearsal just to get it right. So I had to take care of Jackie. So I set up a complete spoof day for Jackie. I think Arthur Cox was a manager at the time. I, I set up that would go up and talk to Arthur about the book in his office and that to fill in the time. Because I then let Jack out my sight in case he stumbled <laughs> with his wife. So we went and did this big interview uh, with Arthur Cox, who was in on it. At the end of that, Jackie said, well, I'm going to go up home for lunch. She said, the, the missus isn't in. She was actually down in the studios, but he didn't know that. The missus isn't in. So I, so I didn't want him out my sight. So I had a sort of beg for lunch. I said, my missus isn't in either. And I don't, don't know what I'm going to do for lunch. So Jackie said, he eventually got the message and said, come up to mine with me. And I said, oh, that's great. So I went up there. <laughs> he did He did scrambled eggs, which he couldn't scramble. What a mess they were. Uh, but he did them anyway. Eventually, we went down to the programme and uh, we're in getting the makeup on, etc., etc. We walked out 
and all of a sudden Eamon Andrews, who it was in those days, come leaping out with a big red book, and he was captured, now went into the audience. And all sorts of people were, were in the studio, obviously the two Chartons, Bobby and Jack, because they were part of the Milburn clan. Uh, they bought Bert Troutman, the goalkeeper, which Malcolm, you mm-hmm. would know, the, the German goalkeeper in Man City, who Jackie scored against in 42 seconds in the 55 Cup final. They'd found Bert Troutman in Pakistan. What he was doing in Pakistan, I don't know. He wasn't a quicker, so it must have been a football thing. They flew him across from Pakistan to be in the studio. Um, there was Tom Finney, there was all the old heroes, Wayne. And and Bella was flown over. Uh, Jackie's Aunt Bella was flown over from New York to appear in the show. And there was a there was an after show party afterwards. And he come across and said, "Gibbo, I can't thank you enough for helping to organise this." He said, "If I'd known it was on, I wouldn't have appeared. I wouldn't have appeared." But having been yeah. surprised, he said, "I enjoyed it so much. It was wonderful." Tar. He, he, he was he was terrific, and he was just embarrassed about the whole thing, and he, he yeah. almost was. I, I remember when he died, bless him, final story, um, he had cancer, which we all knew. I mean, he'd smoked in the three FA Cup finals of the beginning of the 50s. He'd smoked at half-time in the, in the Wembley dressing room. He'd sat with his gear on, having a fag, while the team talk was taking part <laughs> in all three finals. And Newcastle... <laughs> Newcastle, can you imagine these days, athletes, when Newcastle used to go to London for away games, when they got on the train and they had a special compartment, Stan Seymour gave them all 20, a packet of 20 players' cigarettes. As they got on, this was part of the bung, like this was part of looking after them. They all go, and Jackie used to go around the ones that didn't smoke and get their 20 fags off them for, for him, like, and he used to smoke in the chimney. And of course, he, he bless him, bless him, he died of throat cancer. Surprise, surprise, smoking the way <clears throat> Jack had. But we knew he was ill, he was such a proud man. While he was ill, he wouldn't let people go up and visit him because he didn't want them to see that you wanted them to remember him the way he yeah. was and not see him in this agony where he was eventually coming downstairs on his bum, bless him. And uh, when he actually died and we knew it was going to happen, I was abroad on all this and I was so decimated because I'd just arrived in Tenerife and I saw, I'm sitting having breakfast this morning and there's a guy in the booth in front of me has an English paper and he opens it to read it and I could see the headline through where I was sitting that said, uh, you know, United legend is dead at 60-something and I knew it was Jack and I just started my holiday and I knew the funeral would take place while I was still on holiday and it did. But Laura, realising all that, they had a big memorial service to him a few weeks later and Ashton. And she asked me to go up there and speak at his memorial service from the pulpit. And so I got my final chance to say goodbye. But um, an absolute hero and a total number nine legend started by Huey Gallagher was carried on by the likes of Jackie Milburn, uh, Len White, was carried on by Malcolm and was carried on all the way up to Shearer and um, eventually to... uh, Mr. Wood, um, but uh, there we go. That's a, a totally different story that I won't be talking about. Um, but yes, the number nine legends, special. And he is right up there at the top yeah. of the three with Malcolm, with Shearer, and with uh, Huey Gallagher as the, the greatest centre forward. And you can't pay him a better compliment than that. And it guarantees that he's, he's a legend way, way beyond his lifetime and will always be. History books are made. Huey Gallagher is still one of the great number nine legends. And look how long ago it is since Huey died. And he he made his reputation in 1927 when we won the, the championship. Mm-hmm. I guess, of course, that that is still the latest championship until this mob get round to winning it. It's the latest <laughs> uh, championship that we won 1927. Can you believe Seven. it? I wasn't, yep. even a, I wasn't even a, glan, uh, a glint in my dad's eye in those days. It's about the only thing I've missed in Newcastle's history. And that's 96, why... Yeah, 96 years ago. Yep. Yes. Yep. Oh, you unbelievable, know. Malcolm. So in four years, it would be a 100th anniversary. What a year to win the championship That's again. what I was going to say. 
Was I'm, it? Not, I'm not waiting that long, mate. I haven't got that long. I've booked <laughs> in for next season. <laughs> but it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? You're right, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, 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 just uh, you know, I might as well chuck my two penny in as well. I was lucky enough to meet him when my granddad was a referee assessor. Um, Back in the 80s, uh, he took me along uh, to a Newcastle game. Uh, I sat in the old West stand and um, it was uh, the promotion season, 83, 84. And I was taken into the old chairman's suite in, the, in those days. Uh, I was only 13. I had me, uh, had to put my best, my best clubber on, my dress pants and my shoes. Um, and I got taken into this room. And uh, on that day, I met up with Stan Seymour. Um, I met Bobby Cowell, I met Joe Harvey, and I met Jackie Milburn. Jackie Milburn came over, and he rubbed me, uh, rubbed the top of my head, and went, "Enjoy the match, son." And that's all I can, I, you know, that, that was the only conversation I had with him. But it was a fascinating, fascinating time, and that, that meant so much to me because obviously, as a Newcastle fan, I'd read about Ward Jackie and read the stories about him. And uh, just to get that opportunity to meet him, get my autograph book signed, um, was 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 brilliant. But um, when he passed away three years later, um, I took the time out like thousands did uh, to go and stand outside St Nicholas's Cathedral. A lot of people lined the way all the way up to Ashington, uh, but I stood outside St Nicholas's Cathedral. And uh, the photograph I remember the next day, I've still got it somewhere in the, in, in in my cuttings from back in those days. Uh, I could just see myself. I'd just come down from college and I had my bag over my shoulder and I'm just on the edge of this photograph at, at St. Nicholas's and there was thousands there, um, thousands. But, uh, you know, a complete legend at Newcastle United and uh, thanks for sharing that, your stories, lads, and thanks to Tom Dixon for bringing it up as well. Great, uh, great story. I'm just thinking, Steve, that uh, there might be um, quite a few um, watching this who don't know who Bobby Cowell is. And he was the right back of, of the uh, Jackie Melbourne era mm -hmm. for Newcastle, wasn't he? And yeah. what, what made him extra special, Malcolm, and this is where people don't realise who Bobby is, uh, if you're asked a question in a pub quiz, three Newcastle players played in all three cup finals, 51, 52 and 55, name the three. Well, immediately everybody names Jackie Milburn and Bobby yeah. Mitchell because they were the blue chip players. They were the mm -hmm. superstars. The third one was Bobby Cowell, who, oh, was who people yeah. very rarely realise because he wasn't the big name. He was a right back and he wasn't an international, etc., etc. So people... You know, forget, and that's the name that catches them out when you've got a name three. I mean, Milburn and Mitchell stand out there with the two superstars. Bobby Cowell, who was the best mate of Joe Harvey, of Joe was, Harvey, that's yeah, right. Yeah, because well, I, I, I got to know Bobby Cowell because he was forever there, correct, um, at the training yeah. ground, um, because of Joe in the dressing room, yeah, while we were getting changed, I, um, yeah, yeah, he, just. He, a, he was in time with and the two the two wives knocked about together, Bobby and yeah. Joe. They were the big, big mates. But yes, he was the third member. They played in all three games. Mm. Okay, um, moving on. Uh, we do like to encourage questions on here. Lee G was in first with this one. Question for Supermac. If you could choose to play under any Newcastle manager of the Premier League era, who would you choose? And who do you think would get the best out of you? And well, is that Malcolm? Is that Steve Bruce, or is it Joe Kinnear, or is it Steve McLaren? Which one of those three do you want? <laughs> I think I'd take Eddie Howe. <laughs> yes. um, albeit, who do you think will get the best out of you? Um, it. it uh, I. I Going back to Joe Harvey, um, Joe, he, he could just in one line, he could just G you up and, and, and get, get you into a really positive frame of mind. And that's pretty much all I needed um, now and again, um, because, because I was completely focused on, um, on scoring goals, making goals, um, uh, uh, causing the opposing defence a nightmare. 
Um, and you, you can't do that standing still. So you've got to be on the move all the while um, uh, to get that done. But I I think the, the manager who has impressed me the most is Eddie Howe. I have to say that. Um, that uh, And we've had some right, right old donkeys, haven't we, um, over the last few years, Absolutely. in all fairness. Um, uh, but Eddie Howe, he's... he's he, he's taken, uh, I think he's picked the club up in um, uh, when it was absolutely uh, uh, um, falling on its face and, uh, and and he's resurrected the whole thing. So, yeah, well done him. Uh, plus the fact I do like the way that he sets the side up and, um, and, and the, the way they go about the game. Uh, it, it, it gives forwards every chance, you know, and when you look back, that uh, you know Newcastle, Newcastle have just um, uh, 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 scored th- thirteen in three games. All right, ne- then there was Arsenal, but yeah. um, but nevertheless, uh, um, Newcastle on form can score goals for fun. I, I see a guy called Lee's just asking a question along the best along the bottom there. Who did I think would get the best out of Malcolm? Mm. And um, I think the same reason, the same guy, Eddie Howe. And the reason I say that is, first of all, Eddie Howe plays on the front foot. He's not a defensive coach, which um, uh, Benitez uh, was and other managers were. He's a front foot coach and Malcolm would obviously benefit so much more from an attacking coach because a centre forward, however good he is, needs somebody to manufacture the ammunition. Any centre forward, whether that's Haaland, whether it's Kane, whether it's Shearer or MacDonald, and therefore you want a front foot side. And the second is, the question says, who would get the best out out of Supermac? Well, Eddie Howe gets the best out of everybody. Look yes, at Joe Linton. Look at Joe Linton. Look at yeah. Sean Longstaff. Look at um, Willick, if you like. Look at mm-hmm. Almiron with, with the goals he's got. Look at Murphy. You can go on yeah. and on. Look at and the, and the whole of the back line. Yeah, you, you get, uh, but I mean, people that season. were there. I mean, yeah. people that were there and were average is that have suddenly improved well, so much. Yeah, prior to Eddie Howe, Shah looked a plonker. Yeah, he, he was a walking mistake. He, he could, mm. he was elegant. He could pass the ball, but he would make mistake in every game that was normally costly. But you go through Joe Linton, the switch of positions, absolutely made him from being a donkey yes. centre forward into a quality midfielder and then go throughout the team so he does get the best out of players. Sure. And he actually turned turned him around from being a complete joke. Yeah. Oh too. And that's why I retain my faith in Anthony Gordon becoming a player. Purely because of who's his manager. Yes. Because whatever's inside Anthony Gordon, and we've seen flashes of it and his quickness and his ability, he's only 22, but whatever's inside him, Eddie Howe will pull out of him. He'll get it out of him. The only proviso of all this that there is is that the player is willing to take part in this. If a player wants to improve, Eddie Howe will improve him. If he's stubborn and he thinks he's God's gift to football, then you can't ever improve. Nobody can. But if if they're willing to listen and willing to learn, Eddie Howe's your best teacher. Sure. I I was just going to say that I'm always very suspicious about about signing um, players from from relegation-threatened sides. Uh, Not... And we're seeing it with Gordon, and I, I think his fitness is low. Um, he hasn't trained properly over the last two or three seasons, and therefore he's got to build a strength up that uh, that has diminished um, badly in the last three seasons. So it's going to take a, a, a quite a while um, for him just to get his fitness standard up to what's necessary to play in the Newcastle side. He'll not fully benefit, Malcolm. You're right. He won't fully benefit until he has a pre-season. And he catches up on a pre-season, a full pre-season with Newcastle, where everybody's starting off at the same level of 
lack of fitness, if you like, after the summer break, and he will benefit from that. But because of yeah. what was happening at Everton, and because he got eventually into dispute with Everton before he signed for us, the foot was very much off the accelerator. And it's very, very difficult to put it on automatically and get up and running again. Yes, um, it is. But, but I mean, we, we've had a few players. I mean, Isaac didn't come in. He come in and hit the ground running on his debut at Liverpool. But then, because of injury, it took him a while to get the pace of the Premiership, the pace at which Newcastle play at, etc. And it's the same with Gordon. But hopefully, he'll get there. Mm. Okay, Mitchell Brothers mm -hmm. takes us in a different direction. He says, uh, genuinely, would the three of you want to see Sunderland promoted? Oh, I would love to see him promoted because it's a guaranteed six points to us. <laughs> Take the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a turnaround for the Mackhams, to be fair, because they've managed to get into the playoffs and the you know you know at the, at the last throw. And I mean, I watched the game of the weekend. They deserved it. I mean, that's what football's you know football's all about these things. And Millwall chucking it away against Blackburn. Um, Sunderland creeping in the back door, Middlesbrough, you know, put up put up um, a great run of form under Carrick. Um, you know, we could end up with a situation, of course, where if both teams get to the final, uh, Middlesbrough play Sunderland in the same weekend that Newcastle play Chelsea in London. Uh, God help the Metropolitan Police, John. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I still think I still think it's going to be Borough and Luton in the yeah. final. That they are the two outstanding sides, I think, outside the top two. I mean, they, they, you're absolutely right. Sunderland have done incredibly well. I mean, the only one promotion from League One via the playoffs one year ago, and mm -hmm. then the playoffs again to come up into the into the um, Premier League. It's quite astonishing because, but why it's astonishing is because they've done it with such a young team to do it with such a young team. And really, the, the reason for that, I think, is that there's a lack of fear in youngsters. Whether this team would be ready for the Premier League is a totally different matter. But they've got the impetus, you know. Is it a nine-match unbeaten run or something they've, they've been on? It's a certainly a long unbeaten mm. run. So they're coming in, bottom of the, um, the uh, playoffs, Position-wise, bottom of the playoffs, but in form, and that's how they sneaked it donkeys years ago when um, when uh, Gabbiadini and Gates who were playing against Newcastle. Newcastle were the top of the pile to qualify for the playoffs. Sunderland were the bottom of the pile to qualify for the playoffs, and Sunderland knocked out Newcastle at St James's Park, and then went on to to beat. Uh, then went on and lost to Swindon in the final, and Swindon got tucked up for illegal payment. So Sunderland went up. Oh look at that! Like I mean, do me a flipping favor. The star, the star of the Sunderland side, and this is one of the problems they would have if they do come up. The star of the Sunderland side on is a is a little kid on loan from Manchester United. That cost Manchester United about 34 million. Never played in, that, in the first team because he, he was bought for the future. But of course, they'll, they'll lose him next season. So, you know, if they do go up, they've got a big, big hole to fill. And they, this kid, Diaglio, however you pronounce him, this kid is their star turn and has been their star turn all season. But he's going back to Man U. But anyway. I don't care whether it's Middlesbrough or Sunderland that come up. I don't care whether if it's Luton or Coventry. It'll still be more points for us next season, so bring it on. Great stuff. <laughs> Halfway through the show, time for the ads. A big shout-out to all our sponsors. Thanks to Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can order them from their website, mrvickys.co.uk, or by calling 01768 210102. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video technology. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Wallsend, Newcastle. If you enjoy the show, please hit the little thumb under the video and like the video. Click share to share to your other social media or subscribe. Um, it's free and we do seven shows a week. 
If you want to become a member, you can click join underneath this video. There are different packages to suit all different pockets. And if you want to become a cult member, then put your smartphone over the QR code. It'll take you straight there to the website, which is nufcmatters.com. If you go in via the website, just click membership pack. What do you get for your money? You get a pen, you get a cup, you get a membership card and a scarf and entry into the monthly draw. Don't forget, we are available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. And we also support the food bank on this show. NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is where you'll find the matchday bucket. You can make a virtual donation today. We've also got some events coming up over the next couple of months. An evening with Peter Beardsley at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets available from NewcastleLegends.com. Or go to Woucher and get a 40% discount. Our end of season due is the 27th of May at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are at tenner from NUFCMatters.com. An evening with Gavin Peacock takes place on July the 10th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets from NUFCMatters.com for that event. And the following night, Gavin will be at the Tynemouth Surf Cafe. Go to their website for ticket information. We've got a vast range of t-shirts, merchandise and memorabilia available on our website. The Ezak t-shirt is doing well. Go to nufcmatters.com to buy one today. Okay, Dave Bullman uh, says, are the lads confident of still getting top four this season? Malcolm? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, to finish in the top four, Newcastle have to win two of their remaining four fixtures. So, um, and, and on the form of what they've shown over the season, I, I, I can't see them not getting it. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, having looked at the teams that's around in, in about there and looked at the fixtures these teams have got, um, Spurs have blown it because mm. I think they can only get maximum points so would have one more than we've got now. Spurs are out of it. Brentford with a team people scared because of the games they had in hand. They blew it spectacularly against Everton. 5-1. What a sensation. I mean, Everton, five goals. Have they scored five goals all season? <laughs> they, they scored them in one match. They, 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 they hadn't scored five goals all season. So Brentford and Brentford have got to play all of the top three in the remaining fixtures. They've got mm. to play Man City, Arsenal, and Newcastle. So I think you forget them. It boils down if you accept, as I think we all do, that Manchester City and Arsenal are way and are already in the Champions League. It boils down to two out of three then make the Champions League. And that's Newcastle, Manchester United and Liverpool, who have won six on the trot and have got three games left, all of which are easy. They've got Leicester, they've got Aston Villa, who's gone off the boil, and on the last day they had Southampton. Well, you're going to beat Southampton on the last day if if you need to, aren't you? Because they're horrendous. I mean, Southampton can't beat the carpet. I mean, it's they're absolutely hopeless. So, um, so, and it's ironic. Liverpool wouldn't be in the mix if they hadn't got six points against us. That's mm. all the reason they're in the mix. They wouldn't be in the mix without those six points. But it's down to. Two out of three, and I'm utterly convinced that we will be, we will do it. I don't care whether it's Liverpool or Manchester United for the other spot, but we will get the spot. We would have to have a monumental collapse, not make the Champions League now, and we're not going to have that collapse. I know we lost Arsenal, but we lost Arsenal Villa and come back and start winning again straight away. And I would expect us to do that. After the Arsenal game, because the Arsenal game, yes, the best side won, but it was a terrific match. It could have been 4-4 without the two goalkeepers, Ramsdale and Pope. It could have been 4-4, like the famous match up here when we played Arsenal. Remember, we were 4-0 down at half-time and we drew 4-4 in Tyrone. I do remember that, yeah. Tyrone scored the 4 scored, yeah. It could have been a 4-4 this time. And it was... We played well. There was things we did wrong and, and we got bullied in midfield by their two boys without a shadow of a doubt. But 
yes, we will make the Champions League. I'm, I've been convinced of it for a while and nothing's changed my mind. We still have won eight of well last ten, you know. We might have lost the villain, we might have lost Arsenal, but we've won eight of well last ten games. Mm. That's not yeah. a team out that's not a team out of form. No, no. Def definitely no. not. Thanks for joining, Mandy. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, a lot of questions now coming in about the game at the weekend. We'll come to them um, in the next 10 minutes or so. I just want to ask Malcolm and John um, a, a question that we got asked last night, which was, you know, about renaming the stand, um, the East stand, which currently doesn't have a name as such. And people were suggesting that we name it after, you know, past players, past managers, um, Malgam was suggested by uh, people yesterday. Um, there was also the suggestion of a Kevin Keegan stand, a suggestion of um, uh, Alan Shearer. And what people tended to say last night was, you know, maybe it should be after somebody that doesn't have somebody, uh, something named after them at the club. So Shearer has a statue. So Bobby has a statue. Jackie Milburn's got a stand named after him. Joe Harvey's got a plaque on the uh, at the Gallagher end, so you know Bobby Monk. Um, there's there's a Bobby Robson suite, sorry, in in the you know in the ground. So people are suggesting it should be somebody else. Keegan seemed to get the overall vote because, as one person put it last night, he put people back in the stands um, not once but twice as a as a player and as a manager. Um, but the lads who were on the panel last night, uh, Stu and Mitch, said. Really, from our perspective, because that's the stand that is on TV whenever the cameras are there for Sky, for BT Sports, for Match of the Day, um, and that's the focus, that you don't make money out of having a legend's name on the stand. It should be sold. It should be a sponsorship. It should be a, a, a sponsor. And mm -hmm. we should we should look forward and we shouldn't look back in the past, which I thought was an interesting view. So I just I just I wonder what you thought, Malcolm and John. Malcolm, you first. What what what's your thoughts on, on that? I mean, it would be a privilege if it was the Malcolm McDonald stand, I'm sure, but would you let it stand in the way of maybe getting a big deal yeah, for it? In all honesty, though, um Steve, I, I there are far more deserving cases than, than me. Um for example, I was I, I was sat with him on on um, Sunday, uh, Bob Moncur, last the last player to lift a trophy. You know, and that was something that I never achieved. Um, mm -hmm. Alan Shearer never achieved it. You know, and I, and 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 there is nothing greater than, than uh, winning a trophy. You know, as we were talking about Jackie Milburn earlier on, you know, and it was incredible that, you know, those uh, um, those uh, three seasons where they where they won something out of five, incredible. Um, you know, well, what? Uh, yeah, um, uh, no, get the money in, get the money in. It's it's a professional sport, and if. And if somebody's going to sponsor it for for a couple of million a year, get the get the Wonga in the bank. As long as it's not Wonga, they do it because <laughs> we've had the wrong sponsors going yeah. on. Haven't we just? Oh, yeah. You, uh, yes, I mean, I I would tend to go down that road with the money. Always what yeah, what you've got to watch is. Is who does it? Because the if the wrong for if the wrong sort of company takes it, it can be embarrassing. And of course, the, those that love the snipers would love it to be a Saudi company or something, wouldn't it? Because they would be able to open up that kind of worms and have a go mm. about that all over again. <laughs> but uh, but I, I agree with with let's sell it because one of the problems we've got at the moment, which both Malcolm and I have highlighted before, is because of deals that's gone before. They restricted our owners into what you can do on the fair play because they can't get the money they deserve of mm. 
shirts, sponsorships or whatever, whatever, whatever. So if this is another lever to get us some money in, because it would be a new idea, nobody's doing it at the moment, so it would be a blank canvas to sell, let's go down that route. If we can't go down that route, we can't get sponsors, I think we should call it the Joe Kinnear stand, but that's just a personal opinion. <laughs> the John Gibson stand. <laughs> Standing <laughs> salute. <laughs> Gibble, the Gibbo uh, stand's got a ring to it. Well, you know, I would. Uh, there's so many people in our past that you think deserve a statue, for example, before mm -hmm. we thought of stands. You know, why Bobby is sacrosanct. He's the most lovely man, Bobby Robson, all that. But really, you can say. Kevin Keegan deserved this statue before Bobby because he, he he took them higher in the league. He got runners up twice. He built the entertainers and he got promotion as a player. But if you say that Kevin Keegan deserves it because of what he did as a player and what he did as a manager, then the bloke that really deserves the, the statue is Joe Harvey, who, who, who twice yeah. won the FA Cup uh, as skipper. The mm. third time, 55, was coach. And then the European uh, trophy as manager. So, you know, he, he, you can keep Donald, going I'm on. I'm fully with you on that. I, I just feel that the, that the club over the years um, has almost disregarded Joe. Um, oh, you know, when, when you think that, the, that, that uh, there's a statue of Bobby Robson um, and, yet, uh, and yet Joe Harvey's got a little plaque tucked around. And, um, and only only because of a bunch of fans, and only because of a bunch of fans, Malcolm, it was the yes. first club that got that done. Yeah. And so it would be it, nothing to do. It was it was due to it was due to go but near the front door, wasn't it? The main the main door, but yeah. then it was switched to to put it round the 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 back end of of the ground. Um, mm -hmm. And I I thought, what an insult for heaven's sake! He's, he had an incredible record. At the club, did Joe, and and he deserved better, much better. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, well, it's an interesting one. Uh, one thing I think we'll all agree uh, is what Stu says: name the toilets after Mike Ashley. Now there's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> now there is an idea. Can I open that one? You can do. Yeah, you can cut the ribbon. <laughs> uh, Dave says, I wouldn't mind the idea of a stand sponsored and give extra revenue. It's better than changing the name of the stadium. Uh, but seriously, says uh, Austin, sponsor it to reinvest in the club. Mm. Um, yeah, which is, you know, lots of people saying uh, that Derek says make money for them. Um, for now, then when we are financial fair play, okay. so we go down so, the sentimental road. Right. Yes. If if if, if you're going down this the route of uh, then why not... Why not let somebody sponsor the ground and change the name? Yeah. From St. James Park. There was a bit of an uproar when Ashley tried to do it, wasn't there? Yeah. Geordie. I, 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 me being old-fashioned and being a Geordie, I don't want to see you called anything else. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not saying... I don't want to call it, it, want to call it the, Jul the Julux paint... Uh, stadium, you know, uh, I'd rather not if, if I could help it. Um, but yes, we've been down that one and it caused a few. Uh, but there is that alternative, which the guy just run along the bottom there. If we want to keep the tradition of 130 years of St. James's Park, let's keep that and flog and make a couple of quid off the stand by sponsoring the stand. Mm. And it's a few more quid than a stand would normally be because, as the boys said on Steve's programme the other night, it is right in the eye line of all the live television that comes on because of the cameras. So the name, you could sell the name bigger because it's going to be up there, as we yes. all know, with Sports Direct, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots yeah. of people saying we should call it the Dark Arts Stand. <laughs> <laughs> what after after Arsenal's dark hearts against us and uh, at the weekend? You mean? Well, we got we got what we you know we got what we reaped what we sowed, John. Fair play to Arsenal. I've not criticised them this week for no, what they did. But but I don't think any of it deserves any criticism. It's called professionalism elsewhere. You, you, why why are you going to make it easy for the if you're Newcastle? Why should we make it easy for the opposition? If it's the opposition, why should they make it easy for us? It's up to the referee mm -hmm. to decide yes. 
what's within the limits of the law or and what isn't. And he can decide that and start waving cards or waving cards or sending people off. Or just, and he just, uh, he just, just ignored the whole thing, didn't he? Yeah. The, but I mean, the, the, the amount of time wasting and the, the, the um, any every time that there was physical contact between a Newcastle and Arsenal player, the Arsenal player fell to the ground. Yeah, every but, time, yeah. and the referee yeah. didn't do anything. Let them just lay there, stop the game. Oh, they're there, there. Oh, for heaven's it's, sake! Um, yeah, Man's I mean, there's a there's a policeman that's on duty. On match day, he's called a referee and let him to decide because um, yeah. the, the, the the dark arts the dark arts are on both sides. I mean, who invented it? The dark arts go go way way back. The dark arts go back to the twenties and before the twenties, when the offside rule was exploited by Newcastle United with Bill McClacken which killed the game and led to all the football being in the middle third of the field, nothing, nothing in the goal mouse. And they had to actually change the laws of the game, the law, the offside laws, to have two people between the scorer and defender to get round what mm. craftily Newcastle United under Colin Veach and Bill McCracken had worked out. So the dark arts isn't something new. It's been, you know, the dark arts is... is you know, when... Uh, Adam and Eve uh, at the apple, like you know, I mean, that was a bit of dark arts. And how long ago was that? <laughs> uh, Newcastle United make the short trip to Elland Road uh, this weekend. It is a twelve thirty kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Sam Allardyce lies in wait, uh, the self-confessed top coach in the world, and um, it's live on BT Sports. Two thousand nine hundred away section tickets have been sold. Um, Eddie House press conference will be tomorrow, of course. Uh, we do know that Sean Longstaff hasn't broken his foot. It's been a case of has he, hasn't he, has he, hasn't he, but he yeah, ha now he hasn't. Great news for him. Uh, might come a little bit too soon for him this game, but we will wait and see. Jamal Lascelles, uh, we have had it confirmed now officially that uh, he will miss the remainder of the season with a calf problem, which was sustained in training. Um, Kieran Trippier, well, we would imagine he will play and captain the team at the weekend. He will hit 50 competitive appearances for Newcastle United this weekend. And Newcastle uh, as well, with two away games remaining, uh, Leeds, of course, this weekend and Chelsea at the end of the season, um, have actually won eight times on the road this season in the Premier League. The best ever return in a Premier League season is nine. Uh, that was done twice in 93-94 and 2001-2002. We've also scored 29 away goals away from home this season, and we've exceeded that just twice before. Uh, 31 in 93, 94, and 34 in 2001, 2002. Uh, so, who have we got in the man in the middle? Uh, well, the referee is Simon Hooper. Um, this is his fourth Newcastle game of the season, uh, which includes the 0-0 draw with Leeds at St. James's Park back in December. Uh, VAR this weekend is Neil Swarbrick. So, a couple of questions we got early on with regards to this game. Uh, Barry Cope asked, should we go 4-4-2 against Leeds? And Mark Stevenson said, would you bring Miggy back in, uh, I, I guess, to replace Murphy? Uh, and do you think Eddie will go with Isaac or Wilson, as I don't think he will start both? So, Lots of things for us to consider on the programme, but also lots of things for Eddie Howe to, to, to look at, uh, Malcolm, after last week's game against Arsenal. Mm. Yeah, look, yes. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't um, get too upset by, um, um, by the way it went because I, I thought Newcastle played reasonably well. They, they created a, a fair few chances and they just weren't able to stick it in into the net. Um, uh, and uh, and so uh, yeah, I I, I wasn't uh, I was a bit annoyed, but um, but that was all. I, as far as Leeds United are concerned, did you see them play Man City at yeah. all? Yeah. Well, yeah. they sat so far off Man City, who just who just kept knocking it, knocking it, knocking it, knocking it all over the pitch. Um, with, without really probing, 
Um, and, and then Leeds gave them a little bit of a shock in the last few minutes um, when, when they suddenly w- went at Man City. Newcastle have got to be aware of, of that. Um, but uh, I, 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 um, I, I watched that happening and I, th- and I thought, Man City, that why weren't they really getting into Leeds and, and looking to, uh, um, to, to cause danger? Uh, they were just too happy just to knock it around. But if Leeds sit back like that, Newcastle will murder them. Of that, I'm pretty sure. So I, I, I think that Leeds have they've got to they've got to push on to Newcastle a lot more than they did with Man City. Um, and, and but if that's how Sam wants them to play, fine by me. I, th- I think Newcastle could murder them. It, it's it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, because of Sam, we particularly don't want um, Sam to get a result at our uh, expense um, because we've got no love lost with uh, with Sam's time up here. Possibly the only thing Ashley got right in a decade and a half was to get rid of Sam. Um, but the, the interesting thing on the game up here, team-wise... Um, because I think Longstaff, it will be too early for Longstaff. He won't have enough training on the mm. etc. etc. So and that, I felt, John, that the side really missed him. Oh, there's no question against about Arsenal. That. No question about that. But it means because we're so short in midfield until we sign two midfielders in the summer, defensive and attacking, which we will, that the midfield picks itself because Joe Linton's going to have to play in there with Willock and with Bruno because that's all we've got of the of seniors. I don't think he's going to put Anderson in mm-hmm. there uh, at the moment because you know he's indicated if Anderson plays, it'll be wide. So you've got your three there. So that takes Joe Linton out of the occasion to play wide left up top. Uh, so you've got your sent. Do you go with Isaac and Wilson again? I've got. A, I can't think if, if anybody that'll do a better job than Isaac out wide left. Apart from the fact that I think he'll, he'll revert to only playing one of them again and put the other one on the subs bench. And I've, I've just got a feeling he'll start with Isaac and put Wilson on the subs bench, who had who had a much quieter game against Arsenal. I think yeah, he he'll did. probably he'll probably start with Isaac. And have Murphy out wide right, and then it's just a matter of who's wide left. It won't be Maxi because he hasn't, apart from anything else, he's only had ten minutes or, or, or less uh, since his long injury layoff, and is nowhere near fitness-wise. No player would be to start after just having them. So the most he can hope for, I think, is coming off the bench for a longer period than he came off the bench against Arsenal. But I don't think he'll start. That being the case, if you don't play Isaac out wide, who do you? And the, the two alternatives are Mirren and, and Gordon. Um, or Anderson, who can play wide, of course. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting what he does up top, without a shadow of doubt. Does he play the two lads together or just one of them? And then who does he play on the wing? Because it can't be Joe Linton. And if it's not Isaac, who do you... You've got Maxi, you've got um, Gordon, and you've got Al Uh But whatever the team is, whatever the team is, I honestly believe that Newcastle will win this game. And mm-hmm. what we've got to remember... As to if somebody says, why will they win it? I'd say, look at the table. Newcastle are in the top three, Leeds are in the bottom three. There's a class gap there. And unless we get it wrong in terms of um, our attitude to the game, complacency are starting far too slowly. And unless Leeds get a huge lift off the fans, and that's the biggest danger, I think, the fans, because... It's not that they'll welcome Sam Allardyce. It's that they know this is it. They've got three games to save themselves, Leeds, and they're at home. And the fans at the kickoff will be 100% behind Leeds, trying to will them to get the, the, the home three points. And if we quieten that down, if we survive that, then we win. We are in the top three there and the bottom three. That tells me everything. 
Yeah. You agree, Malcolm? Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I, I, Sam, it's certainly uh, sought to shore them up um, because I think they've been quite ramshackle at the back over the season. Um, and, and, and Newcastle can certainly cause them problems there. Um, it, he's organised them a bit better. Um, but sometimes when a, when a new manager comes in with, with just a short period to work for, um, it, 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 you, you, um, the, they tend to have a very, a, a, a very positive effect for one game. But then things sort of revert back to what's been the status quo over the season for, for Leeds. Um, I, I think if Newcastle keep it tight, first 15 or 20 minutes, um, and uh, don't let them score in that period and then start to come out and play. Um, and, if, and if Leeds do play in the way that they played against Manchester City, when Man City had the ball, Leeds just dropped back, dropped right off Man City. That, and, uh, um, and Man City, I, I thought they, they went about it in a too easy um manner. They, they, they weren't positive. If Newcastle stay positive for that, um, for that uh, final hour, then I, I, I can't see any other way the game will go but a win for Newcastle. Sam, Sam Allardyce has went on record and uh, he goes on record saying all sorts of things like, like I'm as good as Pep and I'm as good as Arteta and I'm as, uh, and I'm as good as Klopp. And, or, and he says he wants to be, uh, you know, the flying doctor that Hodgson's been at Crystal Palace and that um, Neil Warnock's been at Huddersfield. Well, I'm looking for him to become the flying doctor that Frank Lampard's been at Chelsea. And uh, if if he has the, the, the Lampard effect on Leeds, that'll do for me. Um, because dear old Frank's lost six out of seven at Chelsea, hasn't he? Um, yeah. So um, in, the problem, Leeds, everybody's talked about Leeds having a great morale booster because they only lost 2-1 to City. Uh, that, for me, is an absolute nonsense because when you're down the bottom, you don't get a... The only thing that gives you a morale boost is a win. If you're down the bottom and you lose and you're running out of games, that's no morale booster. If that was a morale booster because it was 2-1 against City, then that weekend, when West Ham beat Manchester United 1-0, Everton beat Brighton 5-1 and Forest beat Southampton 4-3, it was such a morale boost that they dropped into the bottom three. They weren't in the bottom three before yeah. they kicked off against City. They're in the bottom three now. And by the way, as Malcolm said, the only reason it was 2-1 was because Man City went about the game properly, got a two-goal lead, and then thought, we can get the cigars out because we're going to Real Madrid. On That's right. The- we don't yeah. want to- we're not going to exert all the energy here. This job's done. This lot's hopeless. Mm. They should have gone 3-0 up with a penalty. The minute the penalty wasn't a goal, they went straight down near the end and scored uh, Leeds. But it was never a 2-1. The class gap was absolutely ginormous. But Man said he got the job done and then just concentrated on Real Madrid. Uh, Newcastle haven't got any diversion this weekend. They, they can concentrate on the hour and a half and the hour and a half alone. And if we just kill the crowd off early doors and we do the right things, we win. If we do the right things, we win, and I'm taking us to win. Mandy, thanks for joining the channel. She says, I hope we win on Saturday because Liverpool will not drop any points. We do deserve to get the top Correct. four as we've never been out of the top five all season. And see, Dan Smith, I did catch your post there earlier on. Yes, it would have been your dad's birthday today as well, of course. T. Dan Smith, the late T. Dan Smith, who uh, uh, was a very influential figure in the North East. He says, great show again, just like being back in the North East. Prediction the Mal. From you, please. Uh, I'm going to go for a Newcastle win, 2-0. 2-0 to Newcastle. And you, John? I'm going 2-1. And the only reason I'm going 2-1 is because in the last 14 Premier League games Newcastle have played, they've only kept one clean sheet. 
in the last 16 games they've played, which includes the League Cup semi-final and final, they've only kept one clean sheet out of 16. This is the best defence in the league, mind. But they've still only kept one mm. clean sheet out the last 16 games. So I'm taking that to continue, which means Leeds score. We win 2-1. That's the theory. I'm going 3-1. A bit more adventurous this weekend. Newcastle to win 3-1. Same reason as you for that goal conceded, though. Uh, they seem to have uh, put, sacrificed a bit more of entertainment for uh, for those goals at the back. But, uh, yes, great show as, as usual. Uh, six o'clock next week, if that's OK with you, gents. Back to the six o'clock slot on Thursday. And yep. uh, look forward to seeing you both then. Um, Malcolm, John, take care. All right. All, the best, everybody. All right. See you guys. Enjoy the week. Uh...